Yo, it's Alex Terranova, and welcome to Flip the Lens, where Brie Holland, London Papa Michael, and myself smash down the walls of perfection, performance, and looking good to dive face first into deeply vulnerable and personal conversations where we expose and explore what it means to be authentic and how to succeed in a world desperate for a facade. What's up? Welcome back to Flip the Lens. This is Alex Terranova, and today I'm on the hot seat. This is the third episode of our, I don't know if we're calling it meet your host or go deeper with our hosts, but walk the plank, uh, walk the plank. Uh, If you've been keeping up, London has done this, Brie has done this, and I am our latest and last victim, at least for this round. Um, So, and if you haven't been keeping up, uh, we just basically have done a series of three episodes where we put ourselves out there and the other two essentially just get to grill us, ask us whatever they want. None of these questions are prepped. I have no idea what they're going to ask me about. They didn't have ideas what we were going to ask them about. And uh, we get to go a little deeper and explore a little more about each of us. So I'm, I'm very curious and I notice I'm nervous. And I'm like, man, what are these guys going to... I do this a lot and I'm still nervous. So uh, Brie and London, what's up? Good morning. Good morning. London, you got a question to kick it off? I do. If you could go back to a younger self, um, when would it be? And what would you tell yourself? Oh, man. And it could be it could be a positive thing of like, man, you did a lot better than you thought. So being tough on yourself or it could be the opposite of like, look, man, snap out of it. What the fuck are you doing? Can I have two answers? Of course, brother. Talk away. Cool, cool. So I got two that came to me right away. The first one is I was a pretty good baseball player when I was young. But I wasn't, I wasn't resilient to uh, the challenges of when people started. Like, I was naturally better than a lot of people when I started. And I coasted on my natural ability. And then when people started, like, putting in more time, more effort, more practice, and they caught up, all of a sudden I was like, man, I suck. I'm not that good anymore. And then I would, like, I didn't then, it didn't, I didn't use that to fuel me and make me better. I used it to, like, become a victim and be upset and then quit. And it's not that I think like maybe I would be a professional baseball player right now. Who knows? But I think when I look back, I wish if, 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 you, if, if it wasn't going to, you know, my life is good, but I would say, I would tell myself, hey, like put in a little more effort, like fight for this, try to improve, try to grow and don't be so weak in the like giving up. Um, and then it was like, I would know how good I was versus I never really found out. That's the first one. The other thing would, that I would say is, um, man, stop making the opinion of women mean so much about you. I remember being like in fifth grade and being in my elementary school class and we had this like time where we could use it for whatever we wanted. And I remember this so vividly. Somebody put on like a song on like a radio that we had in our class and like we were all kind of singing to it. And I remember that was the first time I felt like, like the little girls noticed me and that's like fourth, fifth grade, that's before the other boys. And I remember being like, like almost like a drug, like I, I like this, I want this. And from that point forward, literally my self-esteem and my value has, has like, I wanna say most of it has deemed on the, the what, what women think of me. It's not about what men think of me, it's not about my success. And even now at 38 years old, I'm still talking to my coach 
about this. It's from a different lens, right? I've evolved. It's not like it used to be, but it's still, it's ingrained so early. It's still a thing. So that would be nice to have that be different early on. You have something that if you could learn a skill overnight that you would pick right away. Ooh, overnight. Um, Hmm. Man, that's tough. Uh, I, I mean, there's so many things that it would be cool to learn for fun, like just to be able to like all of a sudden, you know, be able to like build something technology wise. I think if I could learn any skill overnight in the world we live in, it would have to do something with like computers, coding, something that I could like use and could like maybe like making an app build a new software program, something that I could use to help other people because I think technology is just only where we're going and going more. So that'd be pretty cool if I could do that. What is something you're extremely embarrassed about you've never shared with the world? <sighs> oh, man. For me, it was karaoke, like terrified to do it, never done it. Like the thought of it just makes oh, me man. cringe. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hit you guys with something that like that – like I'm just gonna go all the way out there with this one because I like actually have gotten to myself where I've like forgiven myself and whatnot. And it's funny because I would have said when you said karaoke on your episode, I did karaoke for the first time last year, and I did it as a growth exercise. Like I'm tired of being afraid of this, and I did it, yeah. and I think I bombed. And the people that came with me to support me didn't think I bombed, but I thought I bombed. So, man, this is like literally this is like one of the hardest things for me to ever share. And uh, I laugh about it now with close friends, but I've never talked about it publicly. Um, so when I was in sixth grade, we, uh, the way our school was set up was like, there was like the school on one side and like the, there was the yard on one side and then you went underground and then there's a school on the other side. And I remember being out there, we're all playing our sports and whatever. And all of a sudden I had to go to the bathroom and I like run back to go where the bathrooms are and the doors are locked. And I can't get in. And finally, somehow I got in, but it was too late. And I fucking shit myself in sixth grade. Like, like it was, I was like, I just, it was like just a thing that fucking happened. And um, I remember like the PE teacher, like, you know, found me or whatever. And I was like, probably like in some tears or something, you know, like, I don't know, what are you, 12 years old or something? And he was like, oh shit. <laughs> like literally and figuratively. And they had a lot, they had a shower and like, he was like going there and, you know, I had my parents come and get, and my parents came and got me. And there was like, I was sick. Like I was some stomach shit. And, um, but, uh, I was like, I was a really popular kid and that happened in sixth grade. And I didn't go back to school for three days and I was like sick. I don't know how long I would like had a stomach thing for, but I stayed home a little longer than it was. And thank God there wasn't social media at that time and all those things. But I remember I came back to school and there were some kids that like knew. And, and you know how everything back then, it's like competition, right? Like, it's like, how are you going to, and I remember some kids were like, I heard you, you know, shit yourself, whatever. And I was, you know, cool, calm, collected little guy. And I'm like, that's not, that's a lie. That's not true. And I just played it off and it went away. Like people stopped talking about it. One time in high school, somebody knew somebody and they were like, hey, I heard when you were in sixth grade. And I was like, shit's not true. And it literally was something I never talked about ever. And it was like this thing that I had so much shame about. 
And when you think about it, right, as an adult, we're like, fuck, you were 12 years old. Who gives it? Like, who cares? And I think one of the blessings in my life is I've been fortunate enough to be around people that are so open, honest, and caring, especially in my older years. And finding out that like stuff like this has happened to so many people that had me go, man, I'm making myself so wrong, so ashamed, not only about lying about it, but what happened. Like this is the dumbest energy, like strangulation to be carrying around. And so I've now I talk now I'll talk about it with people, but I've never talked about it like publicly like this. it's like I'm I'm nervous talking now about it. But now. Now, yeah, now it's out. Now it's out. Like I was, you know. Brain is like I knew it. Yeah, every. <laughs> I knew he was lying. <laughs> we will we use this for the uh, Instagram? Or we oh man, I don't know. Use I the uh, use that one emoji of the smiley face with the uh, looking like ice cream. Hey, you know, I think. I know about Alex? Well. Uh, man, I like, man, I hope when I, when, when, when people hear this, like, honestly, you know, it's obviously it's different things for everyone, but I look back and I'm like, man, how many of us have things that we did, you know, between, and I'm not talking about like real traumatic stuff. Like I'm not talking about, we like hurt somebody else or we got like seriously hurt, but like things that we occur as trauma, like that was traumatic, right. For a little kid in school. That, but things like that happened to us, we got called on, we didn't have an answer, we got embarrassed. How many of us are like holding on to these things and hiding them? Where when you actually, if you were sitting around having beers with your friends, you'd all laugh about it and you'd be like, this is what happened to me, this is what happened to me. And it, it actually feels really good to talk about it and let it go. It's like that stranglehold of it is, is so stupid. Um, and yes, yeah, so I might, you know, somebody might make fun of you or whatever, but who cares? Like, it's, it's actually really nice to let it go. You mentioned um, like the the shame and the embarrassment like wrapped up and and maybe we like laugh it off like oh I was a kid and and whatnot but I think that so many of those things lead up to who we are and how we respond as adults because it's a defense mechanism so whether it's little things or big deals I feel like we learn how to like wrap it into a response would you say that as an adult now with relationships um, in your life that part of shame and embarrassment, there's things that you hide when you're like in a relationship? I think I did for a long time in a lot of relationships in my 20s and maybe even into my 30s. I think, I think since, you know, in, in I want to say, let's say the last couple of relationships. So let's say from like 33 to 38, I think with each one, I become more and more vulnerable and more and more open. And the thing that I'm learning, um, I was seeing somebody and um, I was going through a lot of like emotions, like shame, guilt. We've talked about some of this on, a, on an episode. And, and I was like feeling this guilt and this shame and this sorrow and this sadness. And I've always had this thing like men don't cry, like we got to hold it together. And I've been working on like letting the emotions just flow out. Like they're just part of being human. It has nothing to do with anything. And I, I was lying there and I started and I was like, I need to like cry and be like connected with somebody. And I was like, hey, can you just like hold me? And I need to, I'm going to cry. And she was like, sure. And that's what happened. And I like let myself be okay with it. 
like let it out and it wasn't wrong. And it was funny because she, she whispers in my ear, this is like the hottest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and I, and like, I kind of chuckled in my head about it, which is silly because it's like more that same, like getting my value from, oh, oh, this is a good, this is a new thing that like, but I think the, the cool thing about it was I had the willingness to be vulnerable so much so, and to see that on the other side of the vulnerability wasn't you're weak or you're lame or you suck or stop being a pussy, whatever, was actually like care and compassion and positivity. I don't know that I answered your question, but I think, I think as I, the older I get, the more, the, the less and less I hide and the more I wanna actually like expose and shine the light on. I like that answer a lot, man. Mm -hmm. um, Two-part question. First would be, what are you most proud of to this date that you've done? Second, what are you chasing that you're not telling people about? Mm. It doesn't have to be a material yeah. thing. It could be yeah. like enlightenment or religion or love. Mm. <clears throat> um, those were good. Let's no, go. You got, I mean, there's a, there's a few things I'm going to, I'm going to like kind of rattle them off. I mean, me writing a book is, I'm really proud of myself for that. Cause I was a little kid who had like, I mean, learning disabilities and I had trouble reading. And when I was little, they thought I was like stupid. And my, luckily I had a mom that was like, I know he's not stupid. I can, I talked to him. There's something else going on. And, and luckily she pushed for me to get tested for all these things. And we realized I had some eye issues and some learning disabilities. And when those things got addressed, all of a sudden I was able to essentially thrive. And things still were hard for me. But when I think about, like me and my mom talk about this all the time, the fact that I wrote a book, like that is not a predictable, that's me being resilient. That's me not caring about what people think. That's me continuing to like push myself in an area that I was weak. Um, and, and to that, like, I don't think I read a book until six years ago and I probably read like 150 books in the last six years. And that's part of that. Like reading is, I feel every time I pick up a book to read it, I feel like it's a sense of accomplishment like because I've come so far in that area. Um, another thing I think I'm proud of, I love that you put in religion and I wouldn't have thought about it. And I was somebody who, if you asked me, I was like, you're dumb if you believe in God. Like, religion is stupid. I had so much stuff from my childhood wrapped up in that. And the ability to say, like, if either one of you were like, hey, come to church with me, I would go. And it doesn't, and the thing that, I've, that I love about it is whether, and if you guys were Muslim or Jewish or anything and you said, come with me, I would go now. The thing that I love about how far I've come is I realize now I don't have to believe anything that they say there, but that there's something of value there. There's value everywhere in life. And the thing I'm proud of is that my ability to put down a lot of my righteousness and what I know and my opinions to listen to the gold in what other people have. So like 99% of the things they might say in the church, I might not resonate with me, but that 1% could change my life. Um, and I might be able to use that and take that somewhere. So those, that's another thing I'm really proud of myself for is being able to come that far there. And what's the thing I'm chasing that I don't tell anyone about? Um, you know, I think, I don't, it's weird. Like, I don't wanna be famous for the sake of being famous. 
Like, it's not like just so I can like people know who I am. Like, I don't like you could be on reality shows for that. I want to be, I want people to know who I am because of the impact I made in their lives. And so when sometimes people are like, oh, Alex is trying to be Instagram famous or Alex is trying to be famous in this way. It's like, you're not wrong, but it's not for the money or the, the prestige. Like those are, those are just residual things. It's literally because I know if a million people know who I am, then the, because of the person I'm being, I probably had an impact on those people's lives. So that, that is the thing. That's the thing I'm chasing. I don't know if people know that or not. I don't talk about it very much, but that would be it. Can you describe your life in six sentences? <laughs> Do you want me to count the sentences? I'll, I'll try to in a, in a in a small paragraph, describe your life. Uh, my life is disciplined and committed and based on integrity. Um, my life now with a brand new little puppy is based on love and care for something that doesn't know how to take care of itself and can't take care of itself and patience. Cause I don't know. I never been a puppy owner before either. My life is so blessed and surrounded by, man, I could like just list off names of people that have me that like, listen to me, listen to my complaints, listen to my things, like tell me, stop bitching, go do something um, that will love me if I'm sad or I'm not feeling good. And I think the last piece I would say, cause we're probably almost at six sentences is growth. Like, it's not that I want to be somebody else. And I, and I think I don't want anyone else to be someone else. I just want to be more of who I really am. And I'm committed to that, not only for myself, but for other people. Where does that commitment come from to uh, that last part you just said? Because I feel that same way about myself. The older I get, the more comfortable I get in my own skin. Like, when did that start for you? Like, how has that evolved? Yeah, I can, I give a lot of credit to my coach, Mark Hunter, um, for commitment and integrity that's become a staple in my life. It's not like I was some, you know, Robin Banks and doing terrible things before. But I, what I would look back and say, prior to being like 32, 33, 34 years old, I lacked integrity and commitment. I would quit things when they got hard. I wouldn't stick with things. I would say I'm going to do things and not do them. Whether, and I don't know what this means to other people, like to myself, oh, I'm going to work out tomorrow and not. Uh, I'm going to write this book and not. I'm going to get a new job and not. Um, and it, I think it comes from seeing that like my life was fine, but like I was unfulfilled and unhappy and unsatisfied. And that all the getting all the outside things, get more money, get a better girl, get a good car, like none of that was ever filling up that, that fulfillment, happiness, um, satisfaction place. And I think that when I started working with this coach, with this coach like three years ago, four years ago, whatever it was, and I hired him because I really saw him as like, he's the man I want to be. He's about probably 15 years old, 10, 15 years older than me. I don't know how much older, whatever. Um, He's the man I want to be. And what I recognize in who he is as a man was integrity and commitment. 
And so, yeah, that's, that's like, I want to say a lot of the work and the more integrity I have with myself and the more committed I am to the things that I say I'm committed to, the more I've fallen in love with myself and my own life and the more things I've produced. Like it, it's worked, it's worked both ways. Yeah, you can't do things alone. You know, you can only go so far alone, right? Like I remember talking to Steve Weatherford and he was like, you know, I have a coach. The best in the world still have coaches. Like there isn't a point to where you, you never stop getting better, man. And you ultimately need to build a team of people you can trust that'll help get you better in all facets of life. And I always found that fascinating by somebody that's at the top of their game, mm -hmm. you know, to say, hey, man, you know, it's not a solo sport. Yeah. I'm curious. This is kind of gearing a little bit off that path, but do you think that with all of that you've accomplished and want to accomplish and all the self-work, is there worry that you're going to find the right person that's grown enough in their own self to be with them as a partner? Um, this is like something that's really come up a lot for me in my last two relationships. And I, I think honestly, one of the next breakthroughs I need to have is just sheer acceptance. Like accepting the person I'm with the way that they are. Not saying that it's that they, I don't want them to be their best self or that I don't want them to be happier or more joyful. Of course, you know, you want that. But also just accepting them the way that they are. Because I think what I'm seeing is like, you know, if you want like, look at your, Brie, you know, you talked a lot about, like, your parents, how they wanted, they set all these boundaries and all these rules, and what did you do, yeah. right? They weren't, they wanted you to be your best. Like, they weren't trying to make you your worst. Right. But I think that, I think that when we, it's so hard because it's not what we're taught, but especially as a coach and somebody who sees so much value in working on myself, whether it be in therapy or within a coach or with a community, it's hard to just be like, it's hard for me to just accept somebody exactly where they are in their own journey. And remember that their journey isn't the same journey as mine. They're, we're not running the same race. We're all running our own races. And so accept that they're running the race that they're running. And then also be there to be like, hey, I'm here for you if you want to try to run a little faster or you want to run a little longer or you want to run a little slower or whatever. Do you feel like girls set themselves up to be like, hey, I want to date you, but I don't want to be coached by you? Is that ever like a thing where it's like setting the boundary out the gate? Like, I know what you do for work, but please don't coach me. Like, how is that, you know, in a relationship, you have to work together. It's a team thing. It's a give and take. But with what you do for work, it's always kind of analyzing where you can see growth and, and just sharing that for someone to kind of take a look. How do you turn that off because some people don't want that you know like if you and I sat down for beers maybe I'm like hey Alex like that's cool that you're seeing that but like I just really wanted this margarita like I don't really want to talk about my attitude when I sat down <laughs> so let's just to start with I still get drunk I still you know like look hey mush this Christmas I did mushrooms for Christmas and went that's out into nature the first time we met I had to ask, I was like, wait, do you drink? Because <laughs> like, we yeah. never hung out together besides like calls and, and Zoom chats. Yeah. <laughs> I don't... Oh, cool. We, we're going to no. get a little buzz. Like, all right. 
I, I was just telling somebody the other day that when my life is going really well, if you see me in the world, I probably look super ratchet. Like when things are going well, I'll like be in like torn up jeans, a hat backwards, a t-shirt, sunglasses, I'll like with a bottle of tequila in my hand. And sometimes I'm like, this makes me more human. It like settles me down. <laughs> um, the difference between how I behave now and the way I used to is I used to drink and act like an asshole to, to, as a compensation for my feelings and who I was. Now I'll sit down and get drunk with you because it's fun. Like we can have fun with that. And it doesn't have to mean anything. Now, if, if I'm like feeling sad, I'm not going to be like, let's go drink this off. Yeah. yeah. Maybe if I've done also a bunch of work, but I'm not going to use alcohol or drugs to like cover up things or compensate for things. Yeah. I'm going to use them just like we might get on a roller coaster. Like, Hey, let's go do a fun thing. But to answer your question, there's two parts. One is I think it's on me and the person I'm dating. So I have to be responsible for who I'm showing up as. I'm not, their bo- I'm not their coach, I'm their boyfriend, I'm their partner. And so I have to be aware of that. And they also have to be aware of how they bring it into the space. You know, if you, Brie, come home and you t- share one of your problems with, your, with, with Aaron, and he's like, oh, have you tried this? Or he asks you a question, you're not like, stop coaching me, because he's not a coach, that's not what he does. But sometimes, like, I'll, I'll be with somebody and they're like, stop coaching me. And I'm like, I'm ju- I just asked you a question. Like, I didn't, there's no coaching. So I think it does, it is a partnership of, like, them being aware that, like, hey, just because I ask a question or have some support or some feedback, that doesn't mean I'm coaching you. And, and I have to be aware of, like, where I'm turning it off and on. And I would say that in my first two or three years as a coach, that was way harder. It was, like, on all the time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, some people like were like, dude, stop. And I see it with young coaches now too. At this point, five, six years in, I think I'm a lot more aware of how I'm showing up and like, hey, I'm here to show up as Bree's friend or I'm here to show up as London's buddy, not. And I think I can say to people now so much easier, hey, who do you want me to be right now? Do you want me to coach you real quick? Like, could you use that support? Do you want me to be your friend? Do you want me to listen? I wish actually people did that in life. When you come home to your husband or your wife or your partner and you got some stuff, don't expect them to know how they're supposed to behave. Like come home and say to your partner, hey, can I vent to you for a minute and can you just listen? Hey, can I say this and you give me advice? Hey, can I say this and you just hold me and love me? I think that's often a trap is we expect the other person to read our mind and whether it be with me as a coach or not. Yeah, I think that's a good point for anybody, even if you're not a life coach. It's like, hey, I might be bringing a problem to you. And like, I'm not looking for you to solve it. I'm just telling you it sucks. And it like, I want to cry and like, hey, can you be understanding? And great, now we're, I'm going to move past it. I don't need you to serve, like, serve a solution to it. Yeah. What's the ultimate goal for you, Alex, when you're looking down the road of something you want to accomplish? Winning a Nobel Peace Prize, winning an Oscar, New York Times bestseller, like just being happily married with everybody you care about at a big wedding or a small wedding. What is that for you right now in this moment of life? It could change. Mine's changed over time. Yeah. What's yours now? I mean, I used to say I want to write a New York Times bestseller and 10, and 10 books. Um, and I still want those things, but I don't actually think that, that would is the real goal. I think the goal is just to like love myself and love my life. Like just like whether I write a book or another word or do another podcast or help another person, like all that stuff is outside of me. That the goal I really want to achieve is to like who I am just with nothing. 
um, and to like and to like appreciate the people around me without any expectation, uh, and to feel like fulfilled and satisfied in just being who I am as like a spiritual human being, not because of the things that I do or accomplish. Well, I think you're doing a great job. <laughs> Thanks, mom. <laughs> do you want me to solve your problem? Or do you want me to just give you a cookie, like a pat on the back? <laughs> well, you, guys, you guys got one more? You got one? You want to you punch me in the gut before we wrap this one up? Randy. Like I've had one simmering, but I don't know if we can like settle on it. Should I just what is it? Through? What is it? And then London, let's see what your like what your one is, and then we can just well, you guys can pick which one I answer. All right. So you and I had a phone conversation, and this might have to be a whole episode, but I'm interested if you would elaborate on a vulnerability of yours that you shared with me with our viewers about an insecurity as a male in this demographic of like being on social media and being the tough guy. And, and I mean, you've shared, you know, kind of like having to get through, you know, humiliation of, of crapping your pants in sixth grade. Like every guy I feel like has this tough exterior. And I think that that's just kind of part of like male, female. And I'm wondering if you'd be willing to share like, some vulnerabilities that maybe as a male that we don't talk about. Yeah. I think I know you what you okay, and you go. <laughs> I, think, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but I think there's other things too. London, yeah. what do you got? Or do you want that answer? Oh, go ahead, buddy. Go ahead. <laughs> you're like, no, no, let's. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> put you on the spot, but I kind of do. No, no, it's good. Um, Man, I think people are vulnerable, are insecure about so many things. Like, I think, you know, um, I, read a, I read a thing one day that, like, every dude thinks he's got a small dick. Like, every dude, no matter how big his dick is, like, every dude in, in their own head think that it's not, that it's, they're actually insecure. And that's partially because of the media and, like, the world we live in. Um, and I, I remember when I read that, I was like, I started laughing because I was like, Man, I for sure had that fear once before. I don't like, I'm not actually, that's not actually an insecurity, but I think that we're, that I use that as an example. I think we're all actually insecure about so many things that are so insane that actually have nothing to do with us. It has to do with society, like more than us. And then it gets like plopped on us. But the thing that I am insecure about that I've always been insecure about, and I'm probably the, have the best relationship with it right now than I've ever had which I think is what you're talking about is, yeah. you know, as a man who, you know, I think I'm a good looking guy. I'm like in pretty good shape. It's like, I'm not the best looking, I'm not in the best shape, but I'm in the higher percentile of those categories. Like and, um, one to 10. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I think I'm up there on the higher, you know, like on the higher percentile. And, but ever since I was a little kid, you know, London, you, we grew up in the same kind of time frame. What it meant to be a man, they looked like Hulk Hogan, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone. You know, now it's like The Rock. Like these dudes who are just beasts in their fitness. They're good looking. They're strong. They're powerful. They're masculine. And I remember growing up in the 80s and the 90s being like, that's what a man is. And then I looked at my little childlike body being like, there's no muscles. You know, at first I was real skinny. And then I was like a little bit 
like I was, let's say husky. I was never like fat, but I was never, but it was like, I wasn't skinny. And I remember being like, well, I'm not that. And I remember getting like an ab roller at like 14 years old and trying to work out my abs in my bedroom. And then being in like junior high and high school and feeling insecure about like my body. And when I mean my body, I literally mean like my abs, my chest, my abs, my like, like beach muscles. You know, I was never like, man, my quads aren't, I didn't care about that. It was like taking off my shirt felt like I'm not meant that like, I'm not a man. And no matter how much I worked out, no matter what I did, that never went away. Cause it didn't matter if I looked better or worse. It, it really was irrelevant because it was an inside feeling. And I think there's, you know, we talk about women and eating disorders all the time, bulimia, anorexia, body dysmorphia. But I think there's a lot of men out there that have body dysmorphia that look in the mirror and they see something that's that, you know, and I say this because like almost every woman I've ever dated, like I took my shirt off and I got a compliment. It wasn't like, oh my God, you should be a model, but it was like a, a positive and they didn't have to do that. They could say, people can say nothing. And I started to be like, why do I think I look so shitty when I take my shirt off? Like, why do I think this is such a negative thing? And I had to start doing that work again with my coach too. Like, hey, this is about your relationship to yourself. This is about you, how you judge other people, how you judge yourself. Um, and I think there's a lot of men out there that, you know, are spending all this time in the gym and they're not doing it for health reasons. They're doing it because of insecurities. And this is the thing, they can get the muscles, but if they actually feel that way inside, they're still, it's never going to be enough. So I still work out, still lift weights because of straight up vanity, like weights are for vanity, yoga is for like my health. But the thing that I realize now is I have to do the internal work to heal the wounds that make me think that I don't look the right way or a certain way so that I can actually, the work that I do on the outside actually matters. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. I know I like threw it at you, but I think that for people to get a good glimpse into each one of us, you know, kind of twisting those, those off topic things for people to really get that full viewpoint of, of what we all go through and what we all face as far as men, women, I mean, it doesn't even matter. You know, there's all these different things we face and have to get through. Yeah. Anthony, you got anything? No, he summed that up beautifully. I uh, can relate to a lot of things, totally understand it, get it. You know, it's, uh, thanks for sharing, man. Yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for, um, those are some good questions. I don't think I've answered like half those questions before and I've done a lot of, not a podcasting. That's the goal. That's what we want. So yeah. nice work. Nice work. Uh, and my puppy is now hiding under a t table behind me. So I think she's like, "Oh man, you're my dad." Oh, really? <laughs> the wrong end of the stick. <laughs> yeah. No, but for real, this was fun. If you guys can relate, um, drop a a comment for Alex, or you know, let us know what this show is doing for you. We'd love to hear from you guys. And yeah, we'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you for listening. It's not easy to create these episodes, but we know it's important. We need more real, open, and honest conversations because we know that whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, you're not alone. A life pretending isn't worth living. So please share this podcast with a friend. And thanks for listening.